And we're going to be reading from the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1. So if you have a Bible or an app, please follow it through in that too. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven, like the roaring of a mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then, what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Pontus and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene. Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in their own languages, sorry, in our own languages, about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean, they asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other disciples and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem, Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, what a great day to be preaching on the subject of Pentecost. I think we've already begun, haven't we? We've entered into that real sense of God's Spirit being here. We have a new face mic and um, maybe they'll just alter it a little bit as I talk. So hopefully you'll just, I think that sounds a bit better already, doesn't it? So it's a significant day for all Christians worldwide every denomination. It's important for us too here at St. Thomas's and for each one of us. Really important, the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've got four questions this morning, roughly. Who is the Holy Spirit and what is he like? They're pretty short questions. Secondly, where in the Bible do we read about the Holy Spirit? Is it just in the New Testament? What about the Old Testament? Thirdly, what changed at Pentecost? What, what, why is this so big and important? And lastly, how does the Holy Spirit impact me, you, each one of us personally? 
So first of all, what is the Holy Spirit? Because the question ought to be, who is the Holy Spirit? Because the Holy Spirit is one of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is God. And he enables us to know God's love, enables us to see that love in the actions of Jesus, to then know Jesus. And it's this lovely, virtuous circle of the Holy Spirit working with God the Father and God the Son, the three together. Now, what about the Holy Spirit? What do you think? How do you, how do you think of the Holy Spirit? What is the Holy Spirit like? Well, the name's a bit of a giveaway. And with God, they are spirit. So unlike Jesus, who we saw, who was physical, uh, was a human being, these two are spirit. And I think one of the ways to see and understand better what the Holy Spirit is like is to think of him or her as the power of God, the one who gives us life and energy, the one who sets us free, who sends us out. That's not, oh, you know, a bit quiet, is it? There's vitality there. As a vicar, I used to go into school and do um, assemblies and take lessons. And often when I was talking about my job, one of the favorite questions was, who is God? What does he look like? And that question is very similar to what is the Holy Spirit like? And I used to say to him, to the children, I think the Holy Spirit is like electricity. I know every sort of image like these will fail at some point, but that it's powerful. It's the power of God in us. We need to find that source outside of us and that we need to be connected. We need to be wired in. We need to be plugged in. We need to be switched on. And it's maybe it's a power that we carry for ourselves, but perhaps also that we share with others. So hold that powerful image right at the beginning as we talk about the Holy Spirit. So those two questions have already gone. Second question was, whereabouts in the Bible do we hear about the Holy Spirit? I imagine everybody would say definitely in the New Testament. And if you were listening to our very good series on where do we see, can we see Jesus in the Old Testament? We see also that the Holy Spirit is in the Old Testament. So our reading from Acts this morning in the New Testament that wasn't the first time, even though it was a big wow, it wasn't the first time that the Holy Spirit had been noticed or that the Holy Spirit was active. Because we find the Holy Spirit in the New Testament, and it came in one of our songs this morning, Daisy, I noticed, um, because right before the very beginning of time, the Holy Spirit has been there, always existing with the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And we read about this in Genesis chapter 1. Right at the start, the song said, you hovered over the chaos, over the waters, the darkness. And then God spoke and he brought to life the whole of the universe. He created order out of that chaos and that darkness and created us. So what's the Holy Spirit like? He is creative. He brings order out of chaos. A bit like looking at a cross-stitch um, I don't know if you ever did it at school. Mine looked terrible, both the front and the back. But if you look at them on the back or a, a woven um, mat, and the back looks terrible. But God comes and he pulls the little bits and pieces out, deals with the knots and the tangles. He unravels us. That's one of my favorite images for what God does in me. I feel like he undoes me quite often in order to put me back together again, to sort out my chaos Ian um, introduced me when we were married to a great American Christian band called Casting Crowns. 
You might listen to some of their material. They have a song titled, Just Be Held. So Google it later. And in it, it has the line, your world is not falling apart, but falling into place. And the whole song is about being broken and about God putting us back together. But that work of the Holy Spirit is having the right perspective to see that the brokenness in our lives is only a place where God can work and bring us back together. He loves to straighten the crooked lines in our lives. He loves to find the mistakes, the bad decisions we've made, the awful things that have been done to us. And he wants to give us a fresh new start and give us new life and let us begin again. I wonder if any of you have watched, I think it's Brett, um, his testimony on the church website or Instagram. Uh, absolutely fantastic. So clearly giving a very good example of how God took him in his mess and put his life back together again. This is the work of the mighty, powerful Holy Spirit. God also recreates. So creates us and then recreates us. In chapter three of Genesis, don't worry, we're not going through the whole of the Old Testament. But in chapter three, we've got another image of God, of the Holy Spirit. We're told that God created Adam and then breathed life into him. So we have this image where God makes Adam and then he breathes, God the Holy Spirit breathes life. God the Holy Spirit is our inspiration, as in breathing. We breathe in into our lungs, we breathe the Holy Spirit into every part, you know, it goes everywhere to the fingertips, bottom of your toes. That's how the Holy Spirit wants to be in us. And the Holy Spirit brings us into being with his love and he brings us life with his breath, the Holy Spirit. Again, when I was talking to children um, and they were asking about uh, what's the Holy Spirit like, what's the Holy Spirit do, I often said that he was a life giver, that he's like oxygen all around us. We can't see him, but we see the impact of the Holy Spirit. We need that breath and we shouldn't try to manage without it. It's a gift for us. It's for our lives. It's for our walking in faith. And as the Holy Spirit inspires us, there are times when I'm really confident that God prompts us, he, he nudges us. And I think that's inspiration from the Holy Spirit. So that's, just go and talk to that person. Or perhaps, would you just give that person a ring? Or this thought comes in, oh, I better write an email to somebody. Or perhaps it's the moment to just say something about your faith to a neighbour who you haven't particularly spoken to before. I can't urge you enough to take up those little nudges when you hear them. It's very easy to dismiss them. I kick myself for the many times I've been very faithless and I've thought, no, that probably was just my idea, only to discover a few days later somebody was in need, I should have rung them or I should have gone around to see them. So that's a way in which God works in our lives just tiny. Some, sometimes we think it's all big razzmatazz, but God by his Holy Spirit works in the little ways. I think also that God gives us innovative ideas. That inspiration is expressed in this very practical way, giving people the ability to problem solve in a sticky situation or to start up a new business, or perhaps they are the manager of a group that are seeing how vision, vision is going to be implemented. The Holy Spirit works in those practical ways in our lives if we are open and listening and allow him to. 
Now, there are many other images of the Holy Spirit, things like um, a dove, things like oil, um, water. But I want to move into the Old Testament because there we do see the Holy Spirit, but in a different way, given in a different way. The Holy Spirit was given to certain people for particular tasks and then the Holy Spirit was taken away when the job was done. So for example, in Exodus 31, God tells Moses that I'm going to fill Bezalel. And Bezalel was a craftsman. Uh, He did wonderful work with stones, precious stones, with wood, with silver, bronze and gold. And God said, I'm going to put my spirit on him to, to decorate the temple, the temporary meeting place while they were in the wilderness. And he did the most beautiful work. And when the job was finished, the Holy Spirit's taken back. In Gideon, it says, Judges 6, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to blow a trumpet as he summoned an army to fight. So people were empowered for jobs, particular jobs. Samson, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully on him. And what did he do? He tore a lion apart with his bare hands. I don't know why that was really important and I don't expect God will put the Holy Spirit on you for that job but there's just one of those examples and of course many many prophets in the Old Testament spoke as God's messengers under the influence of the Holy Spirit the Holy Spirit was on them they took a message or they acted something out the Holy Spirit was taken back now in the New Testament we see in the early days the power of the Holy Spirit at work so like Luke chapter 1 when um The angel Gabriel comes to Mary and says, you're most favoured, you've been chosen. And he says, Gabriel, the Holy Spirit will come on you. So the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And that was as Jesus was conceived in her. This is the power to create, the power of the Holy Spirit. And right through the Gospels, we'll see that the Holy Spirit, you would know, that the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus' life and his ministry. All those miracles that he did, the the healing of broken limbs and blind eyes and even Lazarus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit on Jesus. Because remember, he was human. He had no power of his own. Just like you and me, the Holy Spirit came upon him to do these works. And the Holy Spirit, of course, worked through the disciples because then Jesus, having shown them how to do it, said, right, off you go. It's your turn. You go and do it too. And all those miracles and healings, the Holy Spirit came upon them, meeting people at their point of need. So then we look at the Holy Spirit and we see that at Pentecost, something changed. Jesus, at Ascension, had left the earth, gone to be at the Father's side. And we hear that he says, wait in Jerusalem for the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. That just comes before our reading today because the Father will give you this gift. And so Peter stands up, as we heard, and stands up with the crowd and preaches to all these people who had rushed out to find out why they could hear the good news of God being expressed in their own languages. This was the Holy Spirit that had been promised for hundreds of years, that had been seen now and again in the, Holy, in the Old Testament. And the prophecy was that one day it would be poured out on all people, that everybody would be baptised, filled, whichever word you want to use. So that in the New Testament, it's very clear that this, this change, the gift was given for all those who would receive it. And it's not taken away again, it's given and we can be filled and filled and filled 
The Holy Spirit rested on Jesus as he came out of the water at his baptism. We know if he needed the Holy Spirit, of course we do too. And at that moment, you have the image of the dove. We all, as we are baptised, as we become Christians, the Holy Spirit is placed in us. And it gives us a sense of where, who, we, who we are, that we are children of God because that's our Heavenly Father's gift to us, that we belong, that we've come home. God has moved us into this intimate relationship as his beloved children with him. And that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. In Romans 8, it says, it is the Holy Spirit that enables us to cry, Abba, Father. This word that means daddy, this intimate relationship, not remote and distant, no longer God out there, God doing things on, but God in us by his Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2, at the beginning of that reading, we see the change that the Holy Spirit brought to the disciples. And again, we see other images of the Holy Spirit. So it was a violent wind which filled the whole house. The Holy Spirit does also come in force, in power, in strength. We can't see wind like air, but we see the impact of it, yes, on turbines, on kites, in our, we feel it in our hair. The Holy Spirit was also seen as flames, tongues of fire setting out, settling on the disciples. This is another lovely um, image of how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Fire burns. You only need to think of forest fires that spread over uh, particularly Australia and then um, America. But also fire can purify. Think of molten steel as it's heated up and the impurities rise to the surface and then the dross is scraped off. And you know, that's a great image for the work of God, the work of the Holy Spirit who comes to purify us, to make us more like Jesus, to make us more holy, the whole of our lives. And so the Holy Spirit comes and points out those things, those impurities, the rubbish that we have stuck on us, the things that pollute our lives, the bad habits we can't kick, the things that distract us from loving God. And he comes and with his power, he burns away the dross. Things changed, did it not, for the, Holy Spirit, uh, for the disciples on that day of Pentecost. Before, they were frightened. They weren't sure what they were doing. They were disorientated, all a bit lost without Jesus because he's no longer with them. And then the Holy Spirit comes in them, filled, baptised in a way that they'd never experienced before. And now they have a power and a force and a strength. They are empowered by the Holy Spirit to go out, to be the church. And what's really in interesting, just that first verse says that they were all together. The Holy Spirit does come on us as individuals and that's our individual relationship with God our Father as his child as he gives the Holy Spirit. But here they're in an, a group and I really believe that God does pour out his Spirit on groups of people, on gathered people, not just when we're on our own. Because here in this story, we see the beginning of the early church. This is how God brought the church together before it then went on and grew to be all that it was. So they didn't go out alone and on their own and in their own strength. They went out together as a group. Paul, stand, Peter, Peter stands up uh, with all the other, the 11 disciples with him. It's not on his own. We are never alone. The Holy Spirit will always be with us. 
And now they're compelled out into the streets. They want to speak of the love that they know of God. They want to talk about the good news and all that it's meant and what happened to Jesus. And they want to do it as a body. And God, the Holy Spirit, wants to bind us together as his body. We don't go out as a finger and a toe and a leg. We go out as the body of Christ because we can do so much more together because we are to be Christ as we go out. So here we've got the Holy Spirit creating the early church. And who would have chosen? The uneducated, the fishermen, the tax collectors, the not trained rabbis. Nobody knew how to lead a church, but that's who God had brought together and they come together and God uses them. We must be a welcoming, inclusive church involving people from all walks of life because everyone can be empowered by the Holy Spirit and we have so much to gain from each other. The early church was to be so much more than they could have ever dreamed. And isn't that what we want and need? We might have some small ideas, but being here and in part of St. Thomas's raises my faith and my expectation to believe for greater things in all sorts of areas. And I believe that at St. Thomas's, God is doing that same thing, moving on us as a church by his spirit, gathering together all peoples, creating something from old, something that was old into something new bringing life and transformation for hundreds of people and not just ourselves, not just the students mostly who have gone, but out into Newcastle. And you know, of course, the idea is that we change our neighbourhoods and then we change nations, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit's going to do it again through Adam and Abby and those who are called to go and be with them as they build a community that's empowered by the Holy Spirit and graft in to St. Luke's, enabling them to do much more than they ever thought possible. So for those of you who are going at the moment who think you know that, and for those of you who might not realise, but that might be something God the Holy Spirit is asking you to do, I want you to go and dream big and be creative and be innovative and be strong and be together, guided by the Holy Spirit. And we look forward to seeing what God will do amongst us all there. So lastly, how does the Holy Spirit impact us personally? It's all well and good to say that worked then, it works like that in the Bible, but today and here and now. 47 years ago, I think roughly, I I was filled with the Spirit, baptised in the Spirit. I spent more of my life filled with the Spirit. But I do leak, it does come to the point where I fail, I make mistakes, I'm rubbish, I get tired and God comes and fills me again and again. But I know that that has been there available for me. As part of a small youth group went away, a Christian youth group went away up into Northumberland, a little place called Kirk Newton. They had a couple of houses but they had a school building and we slept on the floors. We'd had fun in the daytimes and we had meetings in the morning and the evening. We also had some musicians with us and we worshipped and we sang. Um, Lots of us very new to our faith and then one night it happened everything went crazy the Holy Spirit fell on us they hadn't been teaching about it and people were laughing and crying people were speaking in tongues people were doing cartwheels but it was just incredible and there were some people who were just quiet and still remembering that the Holy Spirit comes in different ways and we mustn't think it's only one way well of course it took ages for us all to go to bed that night But the next morning, they needed some emergency teaching before we were all sent home to our lives. 
And there we were taught the importance of this gift, that this was a gift from the Father to make us aware of how much he loves us, how much we are in the family of God, Jesus, our brother, and you, my brothers and sisters. The Holy Spirit was there to help us get to know God better. I remember it quite clearly. The Holy Spirit was going to help us as we went home and read our Bibles, when we read the tricky bits, when we get out our commentaries, when we talk in small groups. The Holy Spirit works. He would enable us to pray more passionately, to pray more. That would be a good start sometimes, I think, wouldn't it? And to pray more powerfully and more freely. One of the things I found when I've come... I've gone full circle. Years ago, I was a student at St. Michael of Belfry's. God allowed me to be in churches where the Holy Spirit was loved and honoured and worshipped, glorified and encouraged to be at work in the congregations. And I knew then the power of the Holy Spirit just as you know an 18-year-old working in me. But I found it very difficult as the years go by, the sense of um, leaking, as I said. Um, and I feel like some of that's been knocked out of me and bashed out of me over the years as well, as I was called to work in quite rural, ordinary, bless them. And they, God did bless us, uh, rural situations, little churches as a vicar. And then he says, you're allowed to come here in retirement. And I came and we are loving it. But there's moments where I think, I just don't know how to pray any longer. I've got stuck with my sort of traditional prayers. I've, I've lost my freedom to pray. And bit by bit, I'm asking God, the Holy Spirit, to set me free, to let me know uh, how to just express exactly what I want to pray for this person. Whether it sounds right or wrong, it's not. It's my passion, my heart's desire because I love them. And I believe maybe that's just what I want to pray, say, for Cal, you know, or for Robert. So, um, so they sent us home uh, to share our faith. Um, there was a little problem. I wasn't able to speak in tongues and I didn't cry. And I thought, oh dear, what's wrong with me? Something's wrong. The Holy Spirit's missed me out. I was taught uh, that that wasn't true. It just took me a little longer to allow the Holy Spirit to really take hold of my life. I have a lovely image in my mind whenever I've talked about being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptised. It's like inviting God into your house. He comes into the door of your house, the porch, and he's come in. That's when you've invited him into your life. You've become a believer. And then he says, I'd like to go into the rest of your house. Will you let me go in the living room and see what you watch on television? Will you let me be in the bedroom and be part of your marriages or part of your sexuality? Will you let me... Well, do we all have a little place, either a cupboard or the attic, where... We don't want God to go there. We don't want the Holy Spirit to dig around. We're uncomfortable. And he says, I want all of you. And I believe when you invite the Holy Spirit to come into your life and be baptise you, fill you, then you're just opening all the doors. Complete, everything is all yours. This is a commitment not just to follow Jesus, but as a disciple to grow more like Jesus, to, to be more like him. And so those challenges, I mean, perhaps... Do you have a room that's off limits? Those are the things that I think God says it by his Holy Spirit. What about you? Is that you? So I've never regretted inviting the Holy Spirit into my life. Sometimes, of course, he says things and you go, oh, do I have to listen to that? And if I haven't already heard it a few times, gently, he repeats it. And eventually, he also gives me the capacity to cope with it and somebody else to come and pray with me. And, and as we go on, that works. So right throughout my life as a, as a child at school and a student at uni, uh, as a mum, doing my best to be the best mum I could be, 
as a teacher when I was teaching, as I moved into ministry. The Holy Spirit has transformed me. I know you will know the transformation of the Holy Spirit. Hopefully other people will too, which is what we saw when the early church, one minute they're all hiding, the next minute they're out there. The transformation and the empowering will be seen by other people. And I know that God has been there by the power of his Holy Spirit. I'm not quite sure, I don't know how I couldn't, I can't live without the Holy Spirit now. It doesn't mean I haven't done silly things. But here in that prophecy, it says, your sons and your daughters, your servants, male and female, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams. None of us have been left out in that. All of us. This, the Holy Spirit does it differently for all of us, but he does it for all of us if we want to open up. Maybe as you think, oh crumbs, I must have missed the CEU weekend. Oh rats, I wasn't there for the Alpha Day away when it was Holy Spirit. Or perhaps I wasn't in church when they preached about it. But it doesn't matter because you're here today. And it doesn't matter whether you're young or old, I've been a Christian for a long time. Maybe that's you today, that, that today is the day to step in to all that God wants to give you by the power of the Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit is just a normal part of our lives. It's not an added extra. I know it sounds like an added extra, but it isn't. It's what we should have. Could have it all in one go. Some people do. They come to know Jesus and they're filled with the Holy Spirit all in one go. Absolutely beautiful. But today is the day, the day that we can say, we want you, Holy Spirit, to become more God in my life. We want you to take up all the spaces, all the areas. And if you feel that you know that God has all of you, then how about a little refreshing? How about a little getting rid of some of the cobwebs and the dust? Because that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The big work to transform us as a whole church and send us out. The big work to raise Jesus from the dead. That's what the Holy Spirit did. And that Holy Spirit is in us. We are given the same Holy Spirit. So uh, there have been times in my life, it's been very exciting being a spirit-filled Christian um, because we've been to some really wacky places, done some exciting things, praying for people and seeing God at work in people's lives. But there's also that simple bit that says, this is you and me, God, and this is how I do it, and I couldn't do it without you. So, today is your opportunity. May God, the Holy Spirit, come upon us and fill us, baptise us with his Holy Spirit. I don't need to say to you, but you know that there will be people to pray.